Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. There's been a great deal of focus on China over this past week with the Prime Minister's week-long trip there with a heavy-hitting delegation, the biggest in the history of contact between these two nations. But here's a much bigger story. It's a story, and I say this carefully, that is making world history. It's the explosion of Christian faith across this vast and rapidly growing and changing nation of people. It's a story most of us actually know little about. I've been thinking for quite a while, in the decades to come, when this story is in full flower and much more can be known about it, most of us will probably wonder how we could have lived through such history and heard so little about it. One Australian who has an intimate knowledge of it all is a former Australian senator of 22 years who's had contact with China going back some 45 years when he first visited there in the midst of the so-called Cultural Revolution. Former Senator Baden Teague has seen a miracle unfold since then with Christian faith in China and it continues at a truly amazing rate. And I'm so glad to say he joins us on Open House. Baden Teague, welcome. Thank you very much, Lee. Great to talk. Baden, from your knowledge, what would you say was the current estimate of the numbers of Christians in China and the pace of the growth of the Christian church? My estimate, Lee, would be 7% of the people of China are a part of um, Christian churches. Uh, that's about 100 million, and it's uh, certainly one of the largest Christian churches in the world. And growing rapidly. I think it's growing as rapidly as anywhere in the world. Why do you say it is growing so rapidly? I think it's because um, some uh, theologians would say the work of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Um, But I would also express this in terms of the credibility of the Christians. They were among the most persecuted during the Cultural Revolution. The people of China were fed up by that Cultural Revolution. This is a long time ago, 66 to 76. And they saw the Christians emerge from that with great resilience, uh, with love for one another and and love for the people of China, for China itself. And so the credibility of the Christians is, uh, is sky high. And secondly, uh, there is a kind of vacuum of um, values and uh, personal meaning and reality in the Chinese world of ideas. And Christians offer hope. They offer uh, love. They are kind to each other. They are careful about those in need in their own community. So the, the, I'd say that the reason for the growth of the Christian church in China is the credibility of the Christians. Baden, what was it that drew you to China in the first place, aroused your interest in it? Okay, I I went in 1968. I was appointed the leader of the university students uh, group that visited China. We didn't know when it was all being set up that the Cultural Revolution would be in its uh, full force in January, February 1968. So we arrived there and had uh, quite uh, extraordinary experiences. Um, Now, why did I become interested in China? Well, for a start, it's a quarter of the world. Uh, Secondly, I'm of the generation of Australians that was wanting to understand Asia and Australia's relationship uh, to Asia. So I travelled in India, I had travelled in Indochina, and now I wanted to travel in China. Later, I got to know Indonesia very well. So I 
wanted to try and understand this important country. Baden, for the uninitiated, give us an overview of what the Cultural Revolution was and its implications for those with Christian faith in China, particularly. Well, now, the Chinese Communist Party won a civil war uh, following the Second World War, and by 1949, Mao Zedong declared the People's Republic of China. This went on disastrously. There was still unity in China, but the socialist economics didn't work, and there was huge poverty. This led to elements within the party saying, look, come on, let's get some prosperity. Let's get a new economic model. Let's get an effectiveness that will lead to the people of China really winning. We're here to serve the people. And Mao Zedong in particular uh, and the left wing of the party denounced them, arrested them, and started a movement of, we'll call it, left wing fanaticism. And this is called the great proletarian cultural revolution it was started in 66 and it went until Mao died in 76 and it was uh, it is now regarded in China by the Chinese leadership by the party by all the people of China and not just by us in uh, observing it as a total disaster it was a decade of failure and uh, the rebound from that is a wonderful story of how the uh, the old denounced leaders like Deng Xiaoping uh, got the numbers and just changed China completely to the prosperity that we now see there. How many people, it's estimated, died during the Cultural Revolution? Millions. Yes. It was um, savage in its effect upon the ordinary people, the leaders, all sorts of people. Anything that was old, anything that looked like tradition, anything that looked like having some connection with foreign input, uh, anything that looked like it was not red-hot radical communism was being denounced and criticised. People had their heads pushed down to their ankles. People were just in ordinary confrontation, and it was a savage time. Christians suffered, but I have to say, so did celebrities, so did uh, old schoolmasters, so did musicians, so did filmmakers and, and, and actresses and so on. It was uh, a, a savage, terrible time. If the desire partly was to also rub out Christian churches and extinguish the faith, in some ways it had the opposite result. I think it's had the opposite result. Um, uh, God bless the Christians of China. Uh, God bless the people of China. Um, the, the Christians went through that Holocaust and came out the other end uh, still loving, still forgiving, still clear, uh, still kind to each other, and still declaring Jesus Christ as Lord. And this has had an enormous impact upon the people of China. You speak of a wonderful resilience in the Christian church. Yes, and um, lots of things were justified too by the new government after the Cultural Revolution. For example, the churches were restored at government expense. They'd been damaged. Um, even in, in, in Chengdu, for instance, uh, the, the churches uh, had the pews or the seating removed and they got it from all over the place and they brought it back and put it back in the church where there were gaps. So there was a restoration of the churches 
And the people went on then. Uh, there was a sort of apology from the government for the uh, way the Cultural Revolution had um, persecuted and destroyed the property of churches. So in the coming years then, as restoration was happening, the Christian church has developed into three broad groups, which sometimes overlap. Give us a quick sketch of those groups and how they differ. There is the China Christian Council. Uh, it's a church of Protestants, all of the old uh, denominations coming together as one church, and they are self-propagating, uh, self-financing, and self-governing. And it's the largest of the Christian churches in China. The second is the Catholic Church. It's called the Patriotic Catholic Church. The simplest description is that it is in liturgy, in belief, uh, the same as the Catholic Church around the whole world, except that it does not allow appointment of bishops from Rome. So it's called Patriotic Catholic Church. Now, the third part of the Christian Church in China uh, uh, are often referred to as the house churches. They are individual groups, thousands of them all over the country uh, who meet informally well we say informally um, in whatever building is to hand and they have Christian worship Christian teaching um, the reading of the Bible the singing of hymns uh, the encouragement of one another the knowing of one another now these three groups of Christians uh, do overlap and particularly in this last decade uh, leaders of the house churches and leaders of the China Christian Council have often been working together and uh, swapping pulpits and uh, helping each other. Within those three groups, where is the fastest growth happening? Uh, I think that the growth is fastest actually in all three. Okay. Um, they're all growing. Mm. How do you rate the significance of the home churches and why did they develop as they have? I think there are two uh, aspects here, Lee. One is a very strong Chinese piety, uh, such as in uh, Watchman Nee, um, that was is quite indigenous. Um, it's got a lot in common with Baptist separatism in Europe and with, say, Methodist piety uh, in the 19th century, but it is really a Chinese piety. And that is... Um, uh, maybe it's a little bit lack, a bit myopic. Uh, it says, well, we can't deal with the, the state. The state is atheist. The state is a, a communist system that we don't want to have anything associated with that. And therefore, we'll meet just as our little group of up to 100 people, and we will worship God in our own way. Now, that that is one reason. The second is, of course... Uh, a another leftover from the Cultural Revolution period, the persecution was sharp and hard, and people went to prison, people died, um, and there is amongst some of the church, and that's particularly in the house churches, a scepticism and anxiety about officials in the government. So there is a tangible risk for Christian people still in China? No, I don't think so. I, I, I truly believe that there's no risk for Christian belief, Christian worship. There is a freedom of worship, and uh, that, uh, that freedom has been hard won. <laughs> it's only yes. been really the last two or three decades that there has been this religious freedom. Uh, now, uh, 
the risk that remains is for those who are unreasonable or who are making political protests. And there's much the same, actually, in most countries around the world. Baden, why do you think there's generally not nearly as much known about what's been happening with the Christian church in China as you might expect or hope, considering the size of it and the growth of it? Yes, good question. And I think there are two answers to that. Um, Firstly, the Christians in China are occupied in their Christian ministry. They are focused on the people of China, on the growth of the church and on the pastoral needs of the people. They're not about boasting to the world. They're not actually putting any great priority in uh, in, in, in trying to explain themselves yes. to the world. The second reason is that, unfortunately, uh, in Hong Kong, in the press, and in the United States, in the press, there is a bias of uh, speaking about the churches in China from a platform of criticism. I understand that, that, that you know, the world has ever been thus, uh, but those who get make the most loud noise uh, from Hong Kong or the United States tend to be rather critical of, we'll say, what they call the established church in China, that is, the China Christian Council or the Patriotic Catholic Church. Their interest is primarily, I don't want to be too hard, but a bit selfish, they're wanting to promote themselves as the the ones that are seeking public support to make a link, to make a help to the house churches in China. Now, actually, I believe that God is the God of all the world. God is the God of all Christians. And we should have faith that that uh, those Christians in China are the best ones to see the growth of their own churches. Baden, from your enormous contact with that nation and the Christian church there, is there a picture of one of these churches that you can paint for us to give us a taste of what they are like? Right. I have been to many churches in in perhaps a dozen areas of China. I always go to church on Sunday in, in China. Sometimes I have discussions at other times, for instance, in the Theological Seminary in Nanjing or, or at the Amity Foundation, where Bibles are printed mm. in China. Uh, let me give you then one, one church, and I refer here to the Community Church in Shanghai. It's, um, it, it's very prominent. It's a large church. Uh, one of the fabulous uh, aspects for me of this church is that throughout the whole Cultural Revolution they had the same slogan or the same verse from the Bible uh, in Chinese characters in wrought iron above the entranceway to that church from the street and it says this the truth shall set you free and this is from the gospel and it was a source of prayer for me about the Christian church in China. Yes, the truth of the gospel, the truth in your behavior to others, this will set you free. Eventually the church will be free. And I um, have great heart when I enter that church in Shanghai and walk under that verse from the scripture. Now the church there uh, is... uh, alive with clear, sound teaching and preaching. It has a choir, it's, uh, it's packed, it's, uh, it's a wonderful church. Is there one particular story of one person 
among what I expect are many, many stories that you could relate to us? Well, um, the one person who stands out has become a friend of mine. Uh, sadly, he died six months ago, aged 97. And this is Bishop Ding. He was the leader of the Christian Church delegations that came to uh, Australia in the 80s. Uh, I met him in his first visit uh, and I um, uh, gave him our home uh, in his second visit. Um, and I visited with him in China. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Bishop Ding. He is undoubtedly the most influential Christian in the last 60 years in China. A wonderfully prayerful man, I believe, with sound theology, uh, not just because I'm an Anglican uh, and he uh, was an Anglican bishop, but he had to be wise in dealing with the Holocaust thrown at the church uh, by the communist government. He not only survived that, uh, but the church survived with him, and he went on to press uh, the Chinese authorities to gain religious freedom in China. Uh, he himself, in a way, was acknowledged by the state, by him being made vice chairman of the People's Consultative Conference in China. It's a kind of advisory upper house to the parliament. And he was uh, fully involved as a citizen of China and, of course, fully involved as the chairman, the president of the China Christian Council, uh, president of the Nanjing Seminary uh, for Christian um, Theology, and chairman of the Amity Foundation. In his own quiet, fabulously credible Christian life, he had enormously good impact on China. Can I ask you this, Baden? What's it done to you personally, your contact? What's it done to your own faith to see all this play out over four decades plus now? Well, I uh, would say, Lee, that I've been encouraged by my involvement with China. I've visited many times. I continue to think and pray about the churches in China. Now, I think that um, I feel myself like a brother to them, mm. uh, to them all, yes. the home churches, the Patriotic Catholic Church and the Christian China Council churches. I'm listening to them. I'm wanting them to take the lead because it's their country. I'm wanting to learn from them. Uh, of course, if they ask me a question, I'll try to give them my best answer. And I'm not just um, a Christian in Australia and a brother to the Christians in China. I have actually visited, as a senator, a hundred countries, and I go to church in all of them. I meet with Christians in all of them. I'm a part of a worldwide fellowship of Christians that is very real for me. I'm hugely encouraged by contact with genuine Christians uh, in every part of the world. Wonderful stuff. Baden, if there are people who'd like to find out more about this unfolding miracle in China, where would you advise that they head? Well, I think the best answer to that is uh, in quiet, small groups, uh, just to visit China. Um, mm. Go to every part of China and uh, go to church on Sunday. Listen to the people, uh, listen to the Christians, listen to every kind of person in China. Try to understand China. Um, that's, that's my best advice. Baden Teague, I'm so pleased that you've joined us 
I think you've done a remarkable work from your particular position. I'm so grateful. Thank you so much indeed for joining us on Open House. Thank you, Lee, and uh, God bless you all. We hope you enjoyed this Open House podcast. To hear more from Open House, visit openhousecommunity.com.au.